Hey, let's jump right in. Welcome, and uh, I, I'm excited you're here. Psalm 37, 23, again, we've been reading this every week. It says, the steps of a man are established by the Lord when he delights in his way. Your steps are established by the Lord. And uh, that's really what we're looking at during this series is the fact that God wants to establish by faith our steps through him. He wants to deeply cultivate the roots of our faith and allow us to mature even more, develop new muscle memory uh, that would allow our lives to be even richer, lived more fully with incredible peace of mind. Like that's what we're going after during the course of this series. And we've looked again at, uh, at Be Before You Do. We've looked at following the crucified Jesus uh, we've looked at discovering the treasures buried in grief and loss. Last week, we looked at limits and how they help us trust God more. And today, we're diving into love. And what a better example can you find of love in the scripture than Jesus, the Son of God, who loved us so much he came to save us and uh, let's look at both his demonstration and his teaching on love real quick. Luke 18, verse 35, as Jesus approached Jericho, a blind beggar was sitting beside the road. When he heard the noise of a crowd going past, he asked what was happening. They told him that Jesus the Nazarene was going by and he began shouting, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Be quiet, the people in front yelled at him. I just can't imagine this moment, but that's what it says happened. The, but he only shouted louder, Son of David, have mercy on me. When Jesus heard him, he stopped and ordered that the man be brought to him. The man came near and Jesus asked him, What do you want me to do for you? Lord, he said, I want to see. And Jesus said, all right, receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. Instantly, the man could see and he followed Jesus, praising God. And all who saw it praised God too. Jesus set the bar for love, right? I mean, modeling for you and for me uh, what it is to not just be religious or growing in our knowledge of God, um, devoting ourselves to scripture alone, but he demonstrated what it is for us to devote ourselves to others. And uh, it, it's how much you it, it, it's how much you know God and love each other that truly reflect reflects your spiritual maturity. And you know, he teaches us as well. Jesus makes it plain. John 13, 34, and 35, now I'm giving you a new command. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for me or love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. So it's love that's going to prove to the world 
that we have matured in our faith. And that's really what we're looking at today's big ideas. Love for others is the measure of spiritual maturity. Love for others. And it's not how much of the Bible do I have memorized. It's, it's how much of the Bible do I know and am I practicing? And you might just be going, yeah, amen. I don't know if you do that or not. But if you are like sitting there going, not so quick. Wait a second, because listen to this. This is easy to learn, and it's easy to shout out, and it's easy to say yes to, but this is really hard to live. And when we really start to peel back the layers of our humanity and how we're influenced by the world around us, I think that if we really look at it, maybe we're not loving others as deeply as we thought. It's one thing to grow in love and desire for God in, and seeing him move in our life. And then it's another to translate that into loving people. I mean, let's be honest. Our social feeds, they're littered with people who have a zeal for scripture, a love for God, but they remain defensive and, and judgmental and unapproachable. And really, honestly, they're unsafe people to reach out to in any time of need because they're so offensive. Uh, students, kids, if you're watching this with your family right now, when was the last time you went out of your way to just really be there for someone you saw, you just had that unction, that person needs a word of encouragement or that person needs to know that they're special. That person needs to know that they're noticed, that they're appreciated, that versus just worrying about whether you fit in or trying to advance yourself or be first in line or whatever it is. I think, I think these are some of the realities that we, when we start to think, oh, how am I loving others? We start to recognize sometimes that we're not. Um, there have been some seasons in my own life, regretfully, that I have found myself viewing people more as a commodity than humanity. Like that grieves me to say it. And I can think of specific moments where I missed opportunities in the lives of others because I was just seeing them for what they could do versus who they were, um, trying to get people to fit into unfamiliar molds versus really appreciating the unique gift they are and the creative potential God sowed in them uniquely uh, and bringing that to, to being instead of just trying to get them to fit my way, setting standards uh, for what's acceptable and not allowing people to belong first, you know, making them live up to this thing before they fit or listening to people in order to respond. Younger, when I was younger, that was a big deal for me. I was just waiting to say what was in my mind versus truly listening to understand. Um, isolating myself versus living life open. I mean, th these are all things. Setting, setting my ways so firm instead of continuing to learn and be moldable. I, I think 
Uh, these all, we battle, all of us battle with these things. Um, Martin Buber uh, the, wrote a groundbreaking book called I and Thou in 1923, a long time ago, uh, that addresses these very tensions. And he was inspired to be more present after a young man approached him. He was in the season of a spiritual high. He had just had this incredible spiritual experience and was dwelling on that when this young man approached him. And, and, and he didn't really find himself present with this young man who was seeking some wisdom and advice. And, and later he found out that that young man in that later that day had committed suicide, taken his own life. And it shifted. It was one of those moments that was a rock bottom, a wake up call. Uh, and he, he ended up uh, determining that he was going to live his life differently and be very present for others. He was going to live the Jesus way, I guess you could say. And he says this, true I-thou relationships can exist only between two people willing to connect across their differences. When that happens, God fills that in-between space. In I-thou relationships, we recognize each person as unrepeatable, a treasure, an image bearer of the living God. We treat each individual as sacred, as one created from the very breath of God. Most importantly, we welcome their otherness, acknowledging how different they are from us. It's okay to be different, right? A reporter approached him and uh, was trying to stir up some, some contention or whatever. Uh, he had an opportunity to meet the Nobel Prize winner, T.S. Eliot, and uh, the, the reporter provoked him to discuss their differences. And his response was this, when I meet a man, I'm not concerned with opinions, but with the man. How radical would it be for us to live that out in the world today? Maybe people would recognize us for our love if we did. Um, I just want us to pause and reflect on the beauty of all that. Especially in the polarized world that we're in where people are trying to leverage how extreme they can be in defiance of others. They're trying to build their own kingdoms and, and rally people to them. Oh, only those that agree with everything, right? We live in a world that truly believes these statements. Look at these with me. It is bad that we have different views. You must see the world as I do. I can't stay in relationship with you if you continue believing those wrong things. That's not in scripture. If you have been tempted to fall into this trap of believing these lies, you have been misled. 
This is not the Jesus way. This is not at all the example Jesus set. This is more the way the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were living. And Jesus came at them in Matthew 5.20. He says, I warn you, unless your righteousness is better than the righteousness of the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. And I used to, to read the warning that I'm going to read you in a second in 2 Timothy 4.3 as a warning against sinful teaching or really the desire for teachers to just give us what we want to hear. And it is that, but there's another side. Listen to the passage. It says, for a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. We are living in this time. But listen to this. It's not a condemnation just on the people wanting to hear. This is a correction because there are teachers willing to say what ears want to hear. Egotistical religious leaders trying to make a quick grab of people who are being misled extremists, polarizing, not furthering the Jesus way, but creating fractions within the big C church. And it makes everybody look bad. So how do we walk in the Jesus way of loving others and becoming more spiritually mature? We need this. And if we grab a hold of this, we will be the most bold witness of Jesus in the world today. Thought one, enter each other's worlds. Philippians 2, 1 through 5 is really the, the ultimate passage about Jesus entering our world. It says, is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Any comfort from his love? Any fellowship together in the spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another and working together with one mind and purpose. Don't be selfish, don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Oh, we'll continue that in just a second. Jesus left heaven to come to earth. He literally entered our world. He left everything to enter humanity. The author stepped into the page, one worship song says, and, and, and we're being encouraged to make the same sacrifice, to love people enough to enter into each other's worlds, no matter how different they are. We should be able to cross all demographics, ages, races. I mean, the list goes on, right? The keys here are easier than you think, uh, but more difficult, honestly, than it seems. Uh, a couple things, I think, that are keys in this, in this point. The first is we have to listen. We have to become incredible listeners, like intent listeners. In, in our story, Jesus walking with the crowd when the blind man cries out for mercy and the followers of Jesus were, were not very mature in their faith yet because they were yelling at the guy. 
Uh, some translations would say they were rebuking him. But Jesus did something interesting. He, it was challenging. It was loving, right? He had the man brought to him and he listened. He asked questions. He sought to understand the man's needs. If we can become amazing at listening, the world we live in will take note of it, right? The words we speak, therefore, will take on life-giving nature that is really a gift from God to others. Speaking respectfully, I mean with interest in others, we'll, we'll be able to speak honestly, not impressing, not shrinking back from truths, but really sharing our honest perspective, feelings, speaking with clarity, not disguising what we are really saying or thinking, but being genuine, right? And, and speaking in a timely manner. I mean, we'll be able to read the room. We'll be able to understand and listen to the unction of the Holy Spirit and talk when we're supposed to. Very practical. All results of being a listener. A wise man's words express deep thoughts and also deep listening. Well, the other thing we have to do is serve. The crowd wanted to go where they were headed, like they were on a mission with Jesus, right? And they saw this man shouting for mercy as a distraction from the mission. But he was the mission. And Jesus was willing to slow down, have an open life moment, and heal this man from his blindness. He had the ability to put the man's need before his own agenda, to truly serve in a way that it was needed, helping where it hurts based off of what he heard, not just blessing the man and walking on or assuming that he wanted sight. He literally pursued an understanding of his need and then he met that. Thought to hold on to you. I mean, the second way we walk in the Jesus way of loving others and becoming more spiritually mature is to hold on to who God made us to be, holding on to, to you, not becoming them. Um, when we're entering into the world of others, which we need to do, uh, and truly allowing ourselves to curiously experience their story and perspective, we need to be careful not to get lost in, uh, in who we are, in our values, in our uh, differing opinion, because the difference is what's valued. I mean, we might feel like we need to change in order to uh, continue the relationship or not offend. Uh, but that's not really what the world around us is desiring. When both walk out, when both of you walk out your differences, it's actually, it actually builds more mutual respect than if you just, and, and true authenticity, than if you just try to be like each other and mask your differences. People continually tried to place their thoughts of who Jesus should be upon Jesus. They wanted an earthly king. They, they wanted him to do things their way. But he knew he was the Messiah. 
And he would even slip off to the next town to not succumb to the pressure of remaining in one city and taking up rule. And so Jesus continually was realigning himself with the Father, getting away to solitude and and having conversations with God so he didn't get lost. He could truly be himself. Do you know who you are? Um, How comfortable are you with being your own unique self? Without conformity, I guess you could say. Again, we've been quoting a lot of uh, Peter Scazzaro because we are walking through the Emotionally Healthy Spirituality Discipleship Pilot Course. That was a really long name, but uh, we're, we're having fun and we're growing immensely. He says in his book, Emotionally Healthy Discipleship, the degree to which you love and value yourself is the degree to which you will be able to love and value others. Let me read that one more time. The degree to which you love and value yourself is the degree to which you will be able to love and value others. Hold on to you. Do the work of discovering God's plan for your life. Walk out that good and pleasing and perfect will he has for you. Be faithful. Immerse yourself in his presence and then walk out obediently what he is guiding you to do with his love taken out into the world. Now, a warning here. This is a be careful. And I love that it's in scripture for us. There are moments when we could lose ourselves to sin again. Uh, Especially if your story's like mine, I did not come into a personal relationship with Jesus until my 20s. and, And I have a lot of baggage from before. And there's certain things that would be like, temptations to me that maybe aren't for somebody else, but I know I have to be careful. I have to walk into those places wisely uh, and with accountability because when I step into others' worlds, I don't want to fall back into sin. Galatians 6.1 is where it's at. Dear brothers and sisters, if if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. Be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Be careful to be you, the you that you've discovered through a relationship with Jesus. Be careful to be you. Don't slip back into the old man. Keep walking as the new man. Final thought. Thought three, live in the tension between worlds. Let's continue that Philippians 2 passage. We'll go back to verse 5 and then go to verse 8. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God. See, not only did Jesus manage the tension of literally being the bridge between eternity and humanity, Jesus managed the tension of entering the worlds of others over and over and over again. And what 
that ensued to become. Like in our story, imagine the crowd when Jesus did the opposite thing of those who were leading the way and, and yelling or rebuking this blind man. And all of a sudden he, it's a tension moment when he says, uh, bring them in to me. I mean, they had to have felt, how would you feel? They had to have felt undercut, uh, misunderstood, maybe embarrassed. Jesus knew who he was. Uh, he was the healer. Uh, he came for the lost sheep. He, he came for those who were sick. And so he, he understood who he was, and it was his to pause and listen and heal and encourage this, this man now to enter into the tension himself. Because how would you feel if your first worship service, <laughs> worshiping Jesus as your healer, was with all the people that were just yelling at you? It's not going to be that comfortable. But he does it. This guy who was rebuked just moments earlier is worshiping alongside those who rebuked him. So they were all learning to manage that tension. And that's beautiful. That's the church where we can have our differences and make mistakes, but come together in unified worship of our Savior. It's funny how peace is really just well-managed tension. If we can manage the tensions well in life, we'll have peace. We will have peace. If we will follow the Jesus way of loving others, we will mature spiritually and the world will take note. They will recognize you for your love, not by your stances or not by... Uh, how many people you influence, not by your music style, not by your dress code or what shoes you wear. No, not by your understanding of scripture. They are going to recognize you for your love. So here's your action point today. Refuse to accept loving God without loving others. Because I think that's where we get off. We choose to love God and we forget to put that love into action. In the church and in our neighborhood and at our work, in your school, on your team, love for others is the measure of spiritual maturity. Again, John 13, 34 through 35 bears repeating. I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Now, if you missed last week, we shared the opportunity before us as a church, Open Life, to uh, purchase a building, uh, the Finn Hall here in our community. Uh, and it's on 234, just off 410. And it, it needs some work, right? <laughs> and uh, and we're preparing ourselves to dream new dreams for this facility and this space. But it's been fun to come into the world of those who have owned it since 1918. 
and hear the stories and just kind of realize the, the life that used to happen there and, and how God could potentially redeem that space and turn it for, for his purpose. Uh, we're going to, to pray about that and we're going to stir up what we are seeing as God doing in our future. Without losing ourselves, we're stepping into the world of building ownership in a few weeks and we want to invite you into the story. I hope that you've saved the time, 718, for June 4th, because we do want you to be with us and spend some time in prayer uh, over this facility and really hear some visions God's awaking us for ministries we've not dreamt of doing because we've been limited to our our rental or people's homes and and now opens the door of a space that we could potentially do some some cool things in and manage new tensions and continue to be ourselves but step into some some worlds of people who haven't walked into a Sunday venue that may walk into some ministry opportunities that we could host there a place where we can learn to love others more tangibly visibly and of course deeply uh, furthering who we are in the community anyway i want to pray for you god i thank you for the opportunities you give us to be your love to the world around us and not only do we get to to love others but we need to realize that that truly is the measure of our spiritual maturity. If we want to see how we're doing in our growth, in our relationship with you, Jesus, we need to start to look at how well are we loving others. Am I just growing in spiritual knowledge? Am I just doing Bible studies and devotionals and showing up on Sunday, but I'm not serving or I'm not listening or I'm not actively engaging others' worlds. God, awaken our faith so that we can make your love known in the world around us. People are going to know you through that love. So we say yes to pursue you with everything we have. And I thank you for these scriptures, this moment with this blind man that just awakens us to maybe being the crowd. Maybe we sense that we were the yeller. Maybe we've even done that ourselves on social media and the very place we're watching this service, maybe we've yelled at people and took stances that really didn't demonstrate love to the world. So I pray that God, you'll awaken our spirit, course correct us and help us be more like you in the world for the world around us. In Jesus name I pray. Amen. Love you guys. Can't wait to see you Friday. We'll put it online as well, whatever we can, content-wise from there, but you really want to be there physically. So we'll see you Friday at 7, 18 p.m.